Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to episode 19 of Darker Demons. And we're getting close to the end now, so if you want to read the book before you hear the ending, you can get it at Amazon.com or on my website at oceansending.com. And if you order it right away, you can have it in time for Christmas. Okay, let's go with today's episode. Alexandra awakens. Sensing a presence in the room, she tries to gauge the intruder's intentions. The form appears to be that of a tall man. As she stares, the features become clear. It's Tom. Get out, Alex. Hurry, she hears her friend cry out. Then a horrible gurgling sound comes from his throat. Having only seconds to react, Alexander closes her eyes and focuses her mind on New Orleans. Picturing herself safely within the walls of her old home, she feels her spirit moving through time and space. Cloaking her mind from Magdalene, she barely escapes capture. Opening her eyes, she sees the familiar walls of the bedroom in which she spent her childhood. Shaken, she opens the door and calls for her friend, Rosalind. The witch who answers is not Rosalind, but Elena. Stunned by the sudden appearance of Alexandra, Elena asks, what, how, what are you doing here? I was almost caught by Magdalene. I needed to escape in a hurry, and this felt like the safest place to run, she explained. I need to see Rosalind. I'm sorry, but she's not here. Neither is Claire, Elena tells her. Why? Where are they? Alexandra asks, not understanding why her two friends would have left their home. They're out looking for you, Elena tells her. Elena explains Rosalind and Claire have left for France. They think you are in the coven home in Racine, she says. Perplexed, Alexandra asks why they think she is in France. I'm afraid I don't know the answer to that. They simply said they were going to France, and they are supposed to meet with Lucian when they arrive. Suspecting they have purposely misled her father, Alexandra ends her questioning of Elena. Thank you, Elena. Please don't tell anyone I am here, and if you could help me cloak my presence, I would appreciate it, she tells her. Of course, I'll do everything I can to help, Elena replies. Returning to her bedroom, Alexandra wonders how Magdalene could have found her. She is sure none of the witches in Cadiz are responsible. How is she able to track me down, she wonders. Sitting down on the bed, she finds her phone is still on the night table, where Claire had left it after calling Jake. Picking it up, she sees the last number called was his. Her heart flutters at the sight of his face on the screen. Aching to hear his voice, she wonders how much she would put both of them at risk if she called. Unable to resist, she pushes the button and listens as the call connects and his phone begins to ring. On the other side of the ocean, Jake picks up his phone and sees her name on the caller ID. Not not expecting it to really be Alexandra, he answers anyway. Hello, he says. Gasping as her heart is gripped by a cold fist, she answers. Jake, is it really you? Alexandra? Yes, Jake, it's me. I miss you so much. I just needed to hear your voice. I love you, she says. The words pouring out as she exhales. Jake answers, I love you too, saying the words for the first time in his long existence. 
I can't stay on the line. I'm afraid it could lead Magdalene right to you. She almost caught me in Cadiz. Hearing Jake's sharp intake of breath, she quickly adds, Don't worry. I won't let my guard down again. Where are you? She asks. Scotland, he tells her. Are you coming here? He asks. Yes, she says, before she hangs up. Infuriated at the loss of Alexandra, Magdalene needs to release her anger somewhere. The witches at Cadiz are too powerful for her. She decides to visit Azurine. The young witch is sleeping when Magdalene enters her room. She is abruptly awakened by Magdalene throwing off her covers and climbing on top of her. Cruelly using Azurine to vent her frustration, she eventually exhausts herself and rolls over onto her side. Grabbing Azurine's hair, she twists the young witch's head until they are face to face. Magdalene sees tears streaming down Azurine's face. What's wrong with you? Why are you crying? She asks harshly. Instead of answering, Azurine jumps out of bed, grabs her clothes, and runs out into the hall. Racing towards Esmeralda's room, she hears Magdalene behind her. Grabbing Azurine's shoulder, she spins the young witch around to face her. What do you think you're doing? She asks. Panicking, Azurine screams at Magdalene to leave her alone. The noise awakens Esmeralda and the other witches in the coven home. They stream into the hallway, wanting to know what is happening. Realizing she is outnumbered, Magdalene escapes back to Scotland in a rush of foul wind. Finally admitting to herself she needs help finding and taking Alexandra, Magdalene makes a call to Lucian. He answers the phone with a question. Who is this? Lucian, it's Magdalene, she says. There's a lengthy pause on the other end, prompting Magdalene to ask if Lucian is still there. Yes, yes, I'm here. So it's true. You are possessing Alexandra's young man, Lucian states. Laughing, Magdalene replies, her young man, no, Lucian. A man, yes. Did you call to play word games with me, Lucian asks. No, I called to ask for your help, Magdalene answers. Making a disgusted sound, Lucian asks why he should help her when she has tried to murder his daughter. Because, my love, you will need my help to find her, Magdalene says. Informing her he knows where Alexandra is, he tells Magdalene she has nothing to offer him. I am headed for France tomorrow to fetch her, he says. Ah, someone has misinformed you. Alexandra is not in France. She was in Cadiz until a short time ago, she says. Now, I'm not sure where she is. Lucian tells her he does not believe her story. My source is very reliable, he says. Besides, if you admit you don't know where she is, then how do you know she's not in France? Fine. Then go to France. When you discover I am telling you the truth, call me, Magdalene says, and hangs up. She crawls into bed and is instantly asleep. Tom, however, is still awake. Claire and Rosalind arrive at the Charles de Gaulle airport and, after clearing customs, head for Racine. Rosalind anxiously asks Claire when they will be visiting Paris. When we have finished our business, Maybe we can spend a little time in the city, Claire tells her. What exactly is our business, Rosalind asks. Claire explains to Rosalind she has spoken to Celestine, and they have devised a way they hope will keep Lucian occupied for a few days. She tells Rosalind there are ruins of an ancient abbey not far from Racine. The Savigny Abbey ruins are not visited by many tourists, she explains to Rosalind. 
We believe if we can hear Lord Lucian to the site, we can hold him there. It will take the two of us and most of the Wishes and Racine. But we will attempt to form a binding circle. Celestine and I believe the magic of the site itself will help us. Rosalind asks, what happens after a few days when we let him go? Won't there be consequences? Nodding, Claire tells her friend, if we let him go and the gateway is open, there will not be much Lucian can do. If that does not happen, or if he finds a way to escape, I could be leading you to your doom. Reaching over to take Claire's hand, Rosalind assures her she is not worried. Whatever happens, I made the decision to come on my own. You didn't force me. And if anything happened to you, I can't even think about it. Let us hope to, we will return to share a bottle of Chateau Margaux at a small Parisian cafe after the week is over, before the week is over, Claire says, squeezing Rosalind's hand. Still in shock, Jake turns to Samir. It was Alexandra, he says, staring down at the phone, mesmerized. He is afraid if he moves, he will awaken and discover the call was only a dream. You are not asleep, my friend, Shamir, Samir assures him. What did she say? Turns his gaze towards Samir, answering, not very much. She was in Cadiz, but Magdalene found her. She barely escaped. She said she's coming to Scotland. That is good news, Samir says. Yes, it is, Jake agrees. I don't know when she's coming. I guess we'll just have to wait and trust she'll know how to find us. Samir nods in agreement. While we are waiting, why don't we pay a visit to Rosalind Chapel? You said Claire thought all of this might have some connection to the chapel. Jake agrees it would be a good idea to visit the place. He has been reading up on the history since Claire spoke about a possible connection to the gateway, but hasn't uncovered anything. Knowing the area was home to one of the first covens, he believes that could be the thread binding it all together. He asks Samir, have you ever visited the chapel? The Windwraith replies he has not. He adds it is a place he has always wanted to see. A place that is the source of so many tales and legends must have magic surrounding it. Have you ever been there, he asks Jake. Shaking his head, he tells Samir he hasn't been to the site either. It's funny, Aaron used to talk about visiting. He said it spoke to him. I don't know if he meant it literally, but he could have. They decide to leave immediately in order to get to the chapel before closing time. Walking through the quiet Scottish countryside, Jake finds it easy to imagine what the area was like when the first Anantan arrived. It is still a wild land in spite of human attempts to pave it over and tame it. The herbal aroma of heather is everywhere, combined with the salty smell of the North Sea. Picturing Alexandra beside him, her long raven hair blowing in the wind, Jake feels his chest tighten. I wonder if Claire has managed to sidetrack Lucian, Samir says, pulling Jake out of his reverie. If she hadn't, I think we would have heard something by now, Jake answers. Approaching their destination... Jake begins to feel an odd, tingling sensation coming up from the ground. It feels like electricity entering through his feet and pulsing through his body. Looking around, he doesn't see any rain clouds. He doesn't hear thun thunder or see lightning. Turning to Samir, he opens his mouth to tell his friend what's happening, but doesn't get the chance. 
The roots of the witch elm tree beside the road reach up and pull him under. Jake feels himself falling. All he can see on his descent is an odd green light coming from everywhere and nowhere. He hits the bottom with a jolt that makes his teeth rattle. Turning a full 360 degrees, he observes he is in a vast open space with tunnels branching off in many directions. Calling out, he asks, is anyone, is anything here? He hears a sound behind him and recognizes the bird song that is Samir when he becomes the wind. Relieved to not be alone, he asks Samir if he has any idea where they are. I'm not sure. I saw you disappear and followed the sound of your voice, Samir tells him. Puzzled, Jake asks, my voice? I didn't think I said anything on the way down. It was more of a shout than actual words, Samir replies, trying not to embarrass Jake. Ah, that makes sense. It was a bit disconcerting to be kidnapped by a tree, Jake tells him. Deciding they should explore, they head for the north tunnel, the one leading towards the chapel. They don't come across any other creatures, alive or dead. The walls radiate the same green light Jake saw on his way down. There is a strong aroma of earth and something sweet they can't identify. Stopping, Jake says, I recognize that smell. The pratika flower from Prithi. Simha had the blooms in his shop. And this must mean we are close to the original coven home. As they continue walking, they see writing on the walls of the tunnel. Alien symbols neither can decipher. The aroma of the pratika grows stronger. Jake feels heaviness in his limbs. He finds it hard to keep walking. Even Samir is not immune to the magic. The two stop and drop to the ground in the sleeper. And I think that's all the time we have this time. And I hope you'll all tune in for the next episode. And only a few more left. So be sure to get a copy of the book as soon as you can. Okay.